morning. It's nice to be here. This morning I've got a, um, I've got a, a, an interesting word just to share, a message, uh, a message that's been on my heart for, um, for quite a while, and it's something that, that God has definitely been, been building in me, um, and, and sort of just refining and, and, and defining, uh, and especially over, over the period of, say, about, about the last year. Um, so it's entitled CrossFit, uh, have you got what it takes? Now, um, how many, by show of hands, how many people know what, what CrossFit is nowadays? Okay, okay, quite a few. If you don't know what CrossFit is, it's basically like a, a, a fitness program or um, a kind of gym thing, um, but I don't think you should tell people CrossFit they do gym, they'll be highly offended. Um, it's very much like a, okay, I won't say that word, um, I was going to say cult, but it's not that. It's definitely not that. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. CrossFit people are great. Um, but CrossFit, basically, it's a, uh, their motto is forging elite fitness. And um, it's really the guys who do this at the top level. They have, a, they have something called the CrossFit Games, uh, where guys all over the world get together, and they, they do these um, like crazy exercise routines. Um, these guys are, in, in CrossFit terms, they call them fire breathers. That's the, that's the name for, for these guys. They're, they're really they're at their peak. Um, you do things like um, it's a lot of body weight stuff, pull-ups and push-ups and other things, and Olympic movements with barbells, and it's really it, it's crazy stuff. And the work the workouts are it's like 50 handstand push-ups and this other thing and barbell this, and it's it's really it's, it's nuts. Um, but it's 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 basically got nothing to do with what we what we're doing this morning. But um, just to get into, get into the mood, because I want us just to really get into the message, I want to ask everyone just to get up on their feet right now, and we're going we're gonna to just warm up a bit, um, so you can just, you can just start shaking, shaking your legs out, everybody up, everybody up, I want to see everyone up, okay, babies in hands, that's good, that's adding, adding a kettlebell there, that's nice, Gareth, I see you there with your... Your baby on your chest. Okay, we're going to shake it out. Okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to do a very simple movement. It's, it's a squat. Most of you know a squat. Okay, but these guys generally they have like a barbell in their in their hand like this, and they're doing massive things. So we're going to do what's known as a Y squat. Okay, so it's set up with with feet just just shoulder width apart. Okay, not not too far. That's a sumo squat. Okay, it's a bit too soon for Japanese jokes. So let's go. Just just shoulder width apart. And we're going we're gonna to put our, our arms in the air in the shape of a Y. That's it. Everyone up. Okay. Okay, and we're going to squat. Nice and deep. Nice and deep. Come on, Steve. You can get lower than that. Come on. They say A to G. Ass to grass. Come on, let's go. Ass to grass. I want to see some asses on the grasses. Okay. There we go. Lovely. Let's do one more. Okay. And last squat into your seat. Okay. Okay, so we, we're nice and warm and we, we're in the mood here. So straight off the back of the, of the why squat, um, I want to ask you a why question. And that is, why are you here this morning? What is your motivation for, for being here? And I think most of you will say, well, we're, we're Christians and, and this is what we do. Um, so then I'm going to ask you, why are you a Christian? What is your motivation? Why do, you, why do you do this thing? Why do you come here? Why do you come to, to this place that we call church? Why do you sing songs, sing songs to God and, 
and pray to Jesus and fellowship with these people? Why do you associate with, with all these other people who call themselves Christians? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Why are you following Jesus? What is your motivation for that? And I think some of us will go, go sort of to the beginning and we'll say, well, we believe in, we believe in a higher power. We believe that, that something created us. We believe in a God. And as a result, we, we, would have, we would have probably read the Bible. We would have read the stories there. We would have heard the message of Jesus. And we would have, we would have realized that there's, a, that there's a heaven and there's a hell. Um, and if we believe in Jesus, if we, if we accept the message of, of Jesus and um, believe it in our heart and confess with our mouths, then, then we can be saved and we can spend eternity with God in, in heaven. So that's a pretty good reason, I'd say. Yeah, pretty good reason to be here, heaven and hell. No one wants to go to hell. A few of us might have gone a bit further. We've read and we, we've, seen that, um, we've seen that Jesus... Uh, he modeled the life. He lived the life here on earth, and, um, and we can see the results of that. So we try and mimic that. We try and mimic the life of Jesus here so that, um, as he promises, we can, have, we can have freedom here on earth and not just freedom in heaven one day. So we try to we try follow Jesus, and that's why we're here. We come and, we come and learn, learn at church. Um, we, we just try to do the, do the Christian thing, the good thing. Um, and then, and then other of us, others of us might have gone further and we've realized that, that God actually calls us to something. He, calls us, he gives us a great commission, as it's called, um, to go out and to, and to make disciples of people. We realize we can't do that on our own, so we come here and we, uh, we, we get fed, we get edified, and we go out again. Um, and we spend time with, um, with other Christians so we can, we can just learn how to do it well, do it properly. So those are, are possibly some, some reasons um, and you've, you've probably got a few more. Um, and I hope, that's, I hope that it's a question that you think about. If it's a question you've never asked yourself, um, I think it's a, it's a very important one and, and one we need to ask. Um, and and that, is, that is why I am actually asking this morning. I think we need to know, we need to know what we believe. We need to know what we stand for. We need to know why we, why we do the things we do. And I also believe that it's, it's foundational to, to everything that we do. Um, what we believe, why, why we're here, um, you know, that, that's what makes us uh, get up every day. It's the reason we, we do the things that we do. It's, the, it's the, the reason why we make the choices we do, how we fill our time every day, what we do with our, with our day-to-day time. This is, a, is, this is the foundation for it, if you, if you actually think about it. Of course, it, 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 it will determine our reward one day, I believe, as well. But this is, this is why I'm doing it. I believe that, that God has a purpose for my life. Um, I believe he, he has called me to something. He's called me to, to something great. And I believe that if he's calling me, he is calling you too. I think that this, this life we live, our expectation of it, God has so much more for us than, than we could possibly even imagine. And, and we just, you know, whatever we think this life could be, it, we have no idea. We have no idea what, what God actually has, has for us. It's, it's more than this, this mundane and, and average existence that I think most of us settle for. 
And like I said, it's not an exclusive call to me as a, as a collective, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. You are called to, to something so much bigger than yourselves. You are called to, to be great. He has a sobering thought. God doesn't need you. He really doesn't. His work will be done here on earth. His kingdom will come. And that's whether you, whether you like it or not. Whether you're in it or not. Whether you sign up or not. God will make the rocks praise his name. He doesn't need you to. He doesn't need you to praise him. And for every time that you say no to God, someone else is saying yes. His work will be done here. Whether you say yes or not. It's an absolute privilege to be called by God. It's an absolute privilege to have a call on your life, to have a purpose from the God who, if you're here and you, you believe that there's this God who created things, it's an absolute privilege to be called by this God who made the heaven and earth, who made the people around you, the complexity of, of the people around you, and everything, every living thing that we see. What an honor it is to be called by God. God definitely doesn't need you, but he wants you. So I'm here, I'm doing this thing, I'm pursuing a relationship with Jesus because I don't want to miss out on that. I want to do whatever it takes to make sure that I fulfill the purpose for my life. Fulfill what God is calling me to. But the call comes with a challenge. And this is, this is sometimes the part that, that isn't, isn't well spoken of. It's not, it's not often advertised. If we're going to accept the call to follow Jesus, we must realize that it's going to cost us something. The call to follow Jesus must cost us something. In Luke 14, verses 26 to 28, Jesus is speaking. And he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So you know that love that you, that you feel for your parents, um, for your brother, your sister, for your spouse, your wife, your husband? You know that, that feeling? What about your children? Most of you know her, Ava. I've got a little less than two-year-old. What I feel for her... The love that I feel for that little girl must look like hate in comparison to the way I love Jesus. That's, that's, that's almost incomprehensible to me. And even our own lives, our love for Jesus should be the filter through which we, we make every decision about our lives. But I think most of us, we, if, if a decision is before us, if, if something, we need to make a choice about our life, it comes straight to us. If, if, if we imagine it in, in a line here, decision is in front of us, how is it going to affect me? What is it, what is it going to do to me? Am I, am I going to climb a level in the social ladder? Am I going to get more money? You know, how is this decision going to affect my life? How is it going to impact me? And then perhaps we'll, we'll think about a few people behind us, like our, our family and our friends. But what this, is, what this is saying is, 
is we need to love Jesus more than we love our own lives. So every decision that is now in front of us, we need to put Jesus in between that decision and ourselves. So everything must be filtered through Jesus. So every decision that comes our way, everything, every, every choice we have to make should be, should be fixed on, on, on Jesus. Is this going to bring Jesus glory? How is this going to affect our, my relationship with Jesus? The choice I make here, is that going to magnify God or is that going to magnify myself? Is it going to get me further in life or is it going to get Jesus higher, raised higher above this earth? I think we get it totally wrong. Us, other people, Jesus is an afterthought somewhere back there. If everything works out, if it's all cool then, and Jesus gets some glory, then awesome. But this is, this is completely contrary to that. Jesus in front. It's all about him. Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of that happening. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't see it. And, and you know, I don't see a lot of people putting Jesus before themselves. I don't see people loving Jesus so much that, that they put, them, put him before themselves. You know, this is a, I mean, it's an uncomfortable scripture. It really is. And it points to an uncomfortable life. But when I look around, all I see is comfortable Christians. I think we've taken Christianity and we've turned it into the default religion. Occasionally you'll get, get a form that says you have to, you know, you must fill in your religion. Um, I remember when, when Facebook first started, um, right in the beginning when most of the world was kind of jumping on. Well, East London, we probably were about 10 years late, but we got on there at some point, and everyone was getting on, and, and there, was a, there was a field there for, for your religion that you could fill in. Um, and also the, the profiles looked very different. Uh, there was quite a bit of emphasis on, on your information. So uh, you would fill in, most people would, would fill in Christian, and uh, you could see it, and you could compare, and of course you were going on to everyone's profiles and seeing this and that and that. Um, and I was surprised by the amount of people who I saw filled Christian into that field as, as their religion. We've just turned it into the default thing. You know, well, I'm, I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Hindu. Uh, I believe in a God, so I'm not an atheist. And, uh, hey, I mean, I was at that Christmas service in 2012. I was there, you know, so Christian. We've turned this Christianity thing into, into something that I actually call moralism. It's like morally sound people are Christians. That's the kind of definition that, that we've given Christianity nowadays. As long as you just don't do really bad stuff, you just do some good stuff, you know, you're, you're a moral person, then you're a Christian. I don't, I don't murder, haven't committed adultery, I don't swear much. Drink a little bit, not a lot. Don't smoke. Don't do drugs. I'm a Christian. I do some good stuff. Give five rand to the car guard. Hey, not even a two. Five rand. I'm a good person. By default, I'm a Christian. I don't think that Christianity was ever supposed to be a default religion. When I read this scripture, there's nothing default about that. What Jesus is calling us to 
That's hardcore. That's not just good stuff. That's not just good people things. Good people can't do that. Christians are called to do that. Verse 27 says, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What does carrying a cross actually look like? I mean, what is that? We have a picture. We have a picture of it. Most of us um, have watched things like The Passion of the Christ, uh, the epic Bible miniseries and the Bible movie that came from that. But, so we, we kind of know we've got this visual of, of what, what Jesus actually looked like when he was carrying his cross. And in the in the in the epic miniseries, it's um, it's it's a it's a very vivid picture. We have Jesus carrying a massive, heavy block of wood on his back. He's barely on his feet most of the time. The blood is is running. He's beaten. He's bruised. He's broken. And along the way, he's getting spat on, and jeered at, and mocked. And all the while, he's carrying this this cross, and he's going up a hill. To go, to go be crucified on, on the very thing that he's carrying, the most humiliating of all deaths at the time. That's what carrying a cross looks like. There's a visual for you of what carrying a cross looks like. How many of us are carrying our cross? And yes, Jesus is not, is not calling us to literally take out our cross out the cupboard every morning, put it on our backs and walk to work. Hey, imagine us all on the highway, like, hey, cross is looking good today. Shiny. Jesus isn't calling us to that. He's not calling us to literally take out a piece of wood and and, and walk around with it. But what Jesus did here, the representation of him carrying the cross is, is in complete obedience to God's calling. God called him to to come and and to die for us, to reconcile us to himself. And he was obedient to that call, to the point that he got, that he, he went through that. That picture that we have in our mind, that's what he went through, in obedience to God's call. So that's, that's what we can relate to. What, have you, what are you going through, in, what have you been through in obedience to God's call? Have you been spat on? Have you been bloodied and, and broken? Have you... Have you been? Have you gone to almost to your death for for God to be obedient to His call? I haven't. I haven't. I, I'm not. I'm definitely not preaching this this message from a place of getting this right. That's that's the beauty about about preaching a sermon. It's always it's something that God is working in me, and I want to share it with you because it's it's motivating me. It's 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 getting me um, to get active. Abraham went up the, up the hill to sacrifice his beloved son in, call, in, in, sorry, in obedience to God's call. When last have you sacrificed anything? I'm not talking even about children here, please. Just talking about half an hour of your time. An hour less sleep, half an hour less sleep just to get up and spend some time with God. When have you sacrificed anything? This road that we're walking is going to cost us something. Jesus says it. No one ever told us, no one ever says that this is going to be easy. 
Christianity, to follow Jesus, is going to cost you something. But why is it so important to actually live this way? What is the, what is the purpose? I think very importantly, God is not here. Jesus is not here. It's you and me. It's you and me that are here. We are the only reference point for Christianity. Yes, there's the Bible, but actually that's probably not helping us much. Because if we show people the Bible, and then they look at our lives, then they'll look back at the Bible, and they'll look back at our lives, and I don't think things will add up that much. There's an immense responsibility on us as Christians. We need to, our lives need to point the way to Jesus. We are the only example of Christianity here on earth. So when people look at us, they need to see Jesus. And I think Jesus knew this was, was not going to be an easy task. So in, in verse 28, he goes on to say, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Don't begin until you count the cost. I think each of us has at least someone we know who's, who's become a Christian and, and walked away from it. Sadly, I think we probably know more than one. Some of us are a handful of people. I did it myself when I was, I think, about 12. I, um, I came, to, came to Jesus, and by about 17, I had um, got in with a, with a different group of friends and started, started partying a bit and kind of just left Jesus behind. Because I didn't, I didn't count the cost. I didn't. Okay, I was young. I didn't really know, fully understand um, everything, and it probably wasn't very well explained. Um, but I just, I just walked away. Perhaps not because it was hard, but because the world was so much more appealing to me than, than Christianity. And I think, sadly, the the church is is partly to blame. We, as the church, are partly to blame for this. We preach a gospel that's sugar-coated. It tastes nice just to get people through the door. A mega church, a big church, that's a win. People come into Jesus. Are they really, though? I sometimes want to, like, just barricade the doors and say, no, don't come because you're getting half a gospel here. And you're actually just going to end up worse off than you started. Okay. Breathe. I know that was a, a hectic little passage there. But I'm not here to, to deflate us. I'm here to motivate this, this morning. Um, but it's important. It's important we know the gravity of the choice we've made. The gravity of, of, of being a Christian. The weight of that. So, this is, and this is where, where what God has sort of been working in me. Um, I've realized this, this, this simple thing, a simple phrase. And that is to do hard things. What I mean by that is, um, let me put it this way. There's a guy, John, John Henry Newman, who's some old Anglican dude. He says it this way. He says, to take up the cross of Christ is no great action done once for all. It consists in the continual practice of small duties which are distasteful to us. 
And I think that, yeah, that, hits it, that really hits the nail on the head for me um, and really, really rounds up this, this concept of, of doing hard things. And it's the, it's the half an hour of, 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 of sleep, just less, half an hour less of, of sleep in the morning to get up and to spend time with God. It's, and it's, not, it's not all spiritual things, and it's, this is definitely not a, not a list. What, what you're going to see is, is not a list that's going to come up now of things that we need to, we need to check off um, to be able to, to be right with God. It's, just a, it's a principle. It's a principle that, that, that God has just given me and he's laid on my heart um, of, of just doing, doing the hard things in life, making the uncomfortable choices, making the unpopular choices. When, um, when, when my daughter, she generally sleeps through, um, through the night. We're very blessed with that. But occasionally when she's teething, then she's up once or twice a night. And um, she'll cry. She's in her own room, a little bit down the passage. And Kim and I will lie there. Well, I know I do. And i like, just don't move, don't move, don't move. She'll move and then she'll go. And I'll wait there a while. And, and eventually then she moves. And I'm like, okay, she's awake. She'll go. So she goes off and, and, and <laughs> tends to my daughter, but I don't do that all the time. But anyway, that's, what <laughs> that's just, for me, that was, that was one of the small things that, that God actually spoke to me. He said, you know, you get up. You get up quickly. And that's not doing, that's not doing anything for, for me and, and my relationship with God. That's not doing any for, anything for the kingdom. But as a husband, I'm, I'm, I should be serving my wife. I should constantly be giving, giving my best and giving of myself. For, for her. So when the baby cries, I must get up. I'll get up because if I don't get up, she will. She has to do it. And yes, we, we, we split the duties and we've got, we've got like a nice system, but that was just one of the things for me, you know. Why must, why must I let my wife do everything when, when I can do it? Let me get up. Let me do it. Perhaps it's um, apologizing to someone who you've wronged. That's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do for most of us. Having a conversation with someone. A few of the guys who know me know I've got a, I've got a big conversation to have um, with someone. And uh, it's, it's a very difficult thing for me to do. Um, but I need to do it, and I've been putting it off. Um, so I need to take this message to heart myself. Perhaps it's taking a stand in a group of friends when... When a conversation goes down, down a path that you don't, you don't really agree with, instead of just chiming in, step back or even take a stand and say, guys, I don't, don't appreciate us talking about that. Or just pass up the tequila shot at the, at the Christmas party. You might get ridiculed. You might get mocked. But these are the kind of things. This is the, this is the principle that, that God is working in, in my heart. What about sharing something that's that's, that's difficult for you. Sharing a struggle in your life. Being accountable to someone. Coming forward and saying, you know, God, I mean, this is, this is what's happening. This is what's happening in my life. Tell someone about it. Not easy things to do. And there's, there's countless others. I could, I could be, uh, obviously, all morning just, just telling you various things that are, um, that are distasteful to us. Each of us needs to, and I think I don't even think you have to go home and think about it, or spend prayerfully spend time prayerfully thinking about it. I think we know right now as we sit 
certain things that are just, that are so easy, easy, comfortable things to do? What about just foregoing that latest episode of Grey's Anatomy to spend time with your wife or your husband or your family? It's not, these things are not going to, these are not the difference between heaven and hell. And, and here's where I should, should just say that this message can very easily blur between, uh, blur the line of, um, of being dead works. I'm not, I'm not calling us to do things that are, that are just dead for, for religion's sake. I'm not calling us to, to tick off. That's why I'm not putting a list up. There's, this isn't a formula. This is just a principle. You can't tick these things off and, and, and everything will be right and, and, you, and you're earning your, your salvation. It's not about that. This message is coming from a place where God is calling us to something great. God is calling us to greatness. And you can go home this morning and you can, you can go back and you can do good. It's good to do good. I don't mind. You can, you can do that. But I've heard it said that the, that the biggest threat to greatness is goodness. The author of Hebrews says this in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are rounded, surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, there he says it, all eyes are on us. We are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Can we say endurance? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured, can we say endured? He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in the struggle against sin. Quite a bit of endurance in that passage. For us to become cross-fit, for us to become fit enough, to carry this cross, we need to build endurance. We need to do the hard things in life that are going to make it easier to do the things that God is calling us to. If you've received a, a purpose, a call from God, a specific, a specific purpose in your life, I can guarantee you that it won't be a path that is paved with gold. There's going to be some, some tough choices to make. It's going to, be, it's going to be a tough journey. If you can't get up half an hour earlier, if you, if you can't just break your sleep by half an hour and get up and spend time with God, how will you ever go through that thing? How will you ever get, that, get through that, that tough period that, that God is calling you to? in order to fully achieve your purpose. How many runners do we have here this morning? Imagine a few. Yeah? A few hands. There we go. Okay. I think most of us, even if we, if we are runners, we've probably laced on some, some shoes before, um, stepped out the door. 
And I think the very first time we did that, if we expected to run a, a 42-kilometer marathon, uh, we're probably aiming a little bit too high. And there are, I'm sure there's some people who can just run out the door and run 42Ks. Bless them. But we need endurance to, to, to run a race, to run a marathon. You need, you need to endure. And to endure, you need to train. You need to build yourself up. It's mornings. I used to, I used to do a bit of trail running. Um, I got I ITB issues, so it's a bit of a mission. Um, but I really, really enjoyed my running, and um, I used to race fairly competitively in like the 10 to 15 to 20 kind of category, kilometer category. So I was up in the mornings, and I was running, and I was running in the evenings if I didn't get a chance in the morning, and on the weekends I was doing a few hours just out in the bush somewhere on a path, and I, I really loved it. I, I loved just to go and explore, and that's, uh, that's what really ignited the, the passion in me, but... Um, once I started to, to race a bit, I realized that I needed, to do, I needed to do some hard work. So I was up and I, and I was doing it. And, and that's just a fraction of, of, of what, what marathon runners go through and Ironmen and, and all those guys. I only, I only know a little bit of it. Um, and then, of course, there's, um, there's nutrition and there's sleeping right and, and, and cross-training. Cross-training. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that funny, clearly. Um, but there's various things that, that you need to do to, um, you know, to, to, to build up the stamina and build up the endurance to be able to run this race. God calls us here to, to run, run the race with endurance that, that God has set before us. I believe this path, this, this, this life that Jesus has laid before us is not a, it's not a hundred meter sprint. It's a marathon. It's an, it's an ultra marathon. It's an eternal marathon. We can't expect to, with the energy that we, that we, that we have now, to, to still be going in five years' time if we don't, if we don't train, if we, if, we don't, if we don't put things in place, if we don't do, do the hard things. Becoming great requires hard work. It requires dedication and sacrifice. I love this, this quote by um, Harry Emerson Fosdick. He says, No horse gets anywhere until he is harnessed. No stream or gas drives anything until it is confined. No Niagara is ever turned into light and power until it is tunneled. No life ever grows great until it is focused, dedicated, and disciplined. I asked why you were here, why you're doing this. If you want to become great for God, you're going to need to focus. You're going to need to be dedicated and you're going to need to be disciplined. You don't read books about good Christians. You don't read books about good people. You read books about great people, great Christians, radical Christians. I've come to realize this thing. Each of us is carrying a burden. As we sit right now, each of us has a weight on our shoulders. But there's two different kinds of weights, I believe. There's the weight of the world, and there's the weight of the word. And as followers of Jesus, if, we, if we're here and if, we, if we've made that commitment, um, we'll know that he, that he says to us, 
hand me your burdens. Give me the weight of the world. And, and, we, and we say it, we say Jesus took the weight of the world on his shoulders when he went to the cross. And it's true, he did that. But I believe that he calls us to, to take upon another weight. And that is the weight of the word. In Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Give me that weight of the world. Take the weight of the world. Let me take it from you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I think we missed that, little, that last little part there. The burden I give you is light. And we'll come and we'll preach a message and say, just cast your, cast your cares onto, onto Jesus. Give him your burdens. And you're free. And you are free. Yes, you are. But Jesus calls us to, to carry another weight. He says there, the burden I give you, the burden I give you is light. There is a burden on us as Christians. We don't like, to, don't like to preach that. But as it says there, the burden is light. And I believe that when we, when we cast off the weight of the world and we, and we take on the weight of the word, then, then God comes and he carries us. He carries us with that burden. But the responsibility remains. As Christians, we need to, we need to look like something. We need to look like Christ, like our name's sake. I just want to finish with, um, with something. I just want to share, share something with you guys. Yeah, it's just something that, I, that I'd like to share about myself. And um, it's not going to be an easy thing. But, yeah, I want, to, I want to do a hard thing here before you this morning. Uh, the, devil, the devil uses um, the temptation of lust and uh, pornography in my life to, to disconnect me from himself, disconnect me from God. Uh, he uses it to disconnect me from my wife and, and, and from my family. And most importantly, he uses it to disconnect me from, from his purpose and his call for my life. And uh, I know this is generally the stuff reserved for, for men's meetings and, and men's camps. I apologize if it makes you uncomfortable, but I just, I just want to be obedient to, <clears throat> to what God is, is telling me. And, and this is, this is where, the, um, where this message is, is coming from. This is, this is what's on, on, on my heart. Um, this is why it is, it is on my heart. And the, the temptation remains. It's, it's an, it's an ever-present thing. For most men it is. And... Uh, yeah, sadly, the, the devil succeeds in this area uh, more often than, I, than I'd like. And um, as a result of that, I've got to, I've got to, put, I've got to put boundaries in place and, and I've got to do things. I've got to, I've got to do, do the hard things. I've got, to, I've got to get into the Word. I've got to spend time with Jesus. I've got to, I've got to forego that, that hour, half an hour of sleep and get up and, and get into God's Word. Because in God's Word, there's no place... There's no place for that kind of stuff. 
I've got to come here to church. I've got to get into, into fellowship with you guys. Because you're my example. You're my example of, of who Jesus is. I'm accountable weekly to a friend. We, we meet weekly and we discuss things. And we can quite easily just discuss the weather for a couple hours or, or what we've been doing in life. But it's up to me to tell him, listen, man, I'm struggling with this thing. And I've, I've found an incredible amount of freedom in, um, in standing up at, at some of the men's camps and um, other men's meetings and, and just sharing, sharing about this. Um, and I've had the opportunity to, to minister with guys and, and pray with them. And it's, God has really used this, this stronghold that the devil thought he, thought he had on me um, to really bring him glory. So I've, I've really found an incredible amount of freedom um, in this, but... And there's probably a number of guys here who have, have heard me speak, and, and I'd like to apologize because I've stood and I've said that I'm waiting for God to take this thing away from me, to take this temptation away from me. And I believe He can do that, but I'm not going to stand around and, and just, just wait for it to happen. Because until such time as I start opening my hand and letting go of things and making hard choices in this life so that I don't be distracted from, from what God has for me, then He's not, gonna, he's not just going to take it away. And for you, it's other things. This is what's, what's driving me. As the head of my home, As a husband and as a father, I hold the life of my, my wife and my daughter in my hand. And every time that I'm out of, outside of the will of God, I open them up to potential demonic activity and whatever else. I'm supposed to be the example as the head of my home, as an elder in this church, alongside Andre, the pastors, Sonica, and the other elders, we are partly responsible for the spiritual well-being of you guys. I realize that this is the stuff that matters. This is what matters in life. My wife, my children, you guys, the responsibility I've taken on as a leader of this church is what counts. I'm not willing to throw that away just because the devil comes with a with temptation but it'll happen the devil will win if I don't do anything about it I need to be aggressive I need to attack this thing and I want to challenge you guys to do the same again there's things that I do my wife and I used to love watching series um, we'd sit and, and, and watch a few shows in the evening but I don't want to get involved in someone else's life, some fictional character's life. And wonder if the, the doctors are going to save that person or who's going to die. I want to get involved in my family's life. I want to get involved in the people who are right in front of me. I want to get involved in their lives. So I limit my TV time now. That's just, just something I don't want to do. I'd rather just spend time with, with Kim and with Ava. 
switch the TV off and have dinner together. Go out on the weekend. So many more better things to do with our time. That's not even spiritual stuff. For you, it's going to be different things. There are hard things in our lives that we all need to do. If we want to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to. If we want to be grateful, God.